We see the future of all systems using some form of object messaging and intelligent object. If you're going to be deeply integrated with uh, AI and if you're going to create these systems that are really intelligent and remove the burden of uh, information management and distribution and, and routing from humans and make systems truly, truly user-friendly. And it can ha- hold that conversation in, in natural language and that object remembers the conversation. If they want to create those kinds of super intelligent systems, they're not that difficult. You just need a new model. My name is Masood Alabash. I am the co-founder and CEO of Omadeus, formerly known as Ziba Technologies. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Took six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the backhand who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do next. took many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. The company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried to begin to ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Lapart, and today, how Masood Alibash is taking project management to the next level by using AI and LLMs to eliminate the noise. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open-source edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there too. Terso makes this easy utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the data edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash codestory. Masood Alibash was born in Iran, but grew up in the States. He's always been curious about machines, computers, and robots, and as such, studied electrical engineering and computer science. Outside of tech, he used to be a competitive soccer player, but after he hurt his knees, he switched to swimming every day. He swears by intermittent fasting, but makes sure to carry walnuts and dates on him when he travels. Masood held a strong desire to find a solution to the complex communication problem between people and systems. He decided to approach this with deep AI integration, smart objects, and an object messaging model. And in doing so, he put AI in project management and discovered the next development paradigm. This is a creation story of Omadeus. As an entrepreneur, engineer, technologist, I was preoccupied with this problem that when you start the small company, two, three people, everything seems to be working well. And when you're successful, you start scaling and you start adding people. You notice things start breaking down in, in, in ways that, that could be frustrating. And once you analyze it, you realize the, the root of the problem is basically communication and the fact that communication is not optimized. Information does not flow at the right time from the right person to another person properly. 
That really preoccupied me. And being a technologist, I started studying communications and, uh, and human psychology and, and studying the problems that would occur within our company. We basically were one of the first companies, uh, survivors in the dot-com times. And we had uh, uh, a lot of innovations in terms of creating the new model of computing, which was a distributive, distributive model, which is called, uh, referred to as the cloud computing today. And that becomes very complex. And you, as you know, you have lots of different teams. You have DevOps, you have back-end people, front-end people, design. So, and, and, and by the way, the, the most important people in your production um, are your support people, your customer-facing people that have never really been integrated into the production cycle in, a, in an organic way. So we started uh, building tools, you know, typically, I guess Jira was one of the more, more typical tools that developers uh, love to use. And we implemented that and we implemented Slack, Asana, email, chat tools, wrote code to integrate all this stuff together to try to create this uh, uh, tight organic communication system between different departments so, such that they would have transparency into the production. But we, it, it would just fail at different times and, and, and with uh, various types of results. And to me, it seemed like it, there must be a solution to that. And that desire to try to find a solution to that complex problem led me to the discoveries that we made. In fact, part of the solution, as it turns out, it's AI and it's a, a large language model type of AI as well. Tell me about your MVP of Omadeus. Tell me about that first version of the product you built. How long it took to build, what sort of tools you used, and then, but some of those ideas too. The basic problem really boiled down to the pivot of communication. And actually, I've written a couple of papers on this, and the first one has been published by IEEE. Every software system in every organization is a communication tool in, in, of one form or fashion, you know, and, and the, we communicate data in a structured fashion. Humans communicate with natural language, and that's why email showed up in the co corporate setting. And the, the, as it turns out, that email is flawed. The model is flawed because it's not designed to scale, mainly because the pivot of email is the individual. The individual is responsible for analyzing information, routing it to the right person at the right time. Humans are not the best elements in, in this uh, network. We're not reliable, especially as you start adding people, it becomes more complex. And that's how the social media networks showed up to try to solve that problem because they shifted the pivot from individual to the subject. They did a little bit better, but still they, they couldn't capture the complexities of a multidimensional uh, monster called the workflow. Workflow is really the nervous system of any organ organization. If you think of these organizations, any organization as a biological entity, the nervous system is really the structure that's a workflow. That workflow is uh, uh, designed to move along information at the right time to the right person. So our first MVP focused on that. We had a choice on, on, on what kind of system we want to create with this model because you can actually build any system using this model. And in fact, I, we believe that uh, all programs are going to have to be written again using this model. But we decided to build a project management system that's focused on uh, technology companies because this was a domain that we were quite familiar with and we had uh, in the past tried to cobble up 
all these tools of Jira and Asana and Slack and Trello and uh, chat engines and tie them all together so we can bring the entire company and, and some sort of document management under the same roof so they can optimally communicate. I'm sure this solution sounds familiar to a lot of uh, your listeners, but it fails. It fails in many, many areas, and it uh, requires a lot of upkeep, and it's not really an ideal solution, mainly because the model is flawed. Our MVP basically looked like that tool. And then, then as we kind of started putting it out, we integrated AI to it. And AI actually naturally integrates to this model. It's a completely brand new way of building systems and software. And this is not the only time that uh, we've done this. We've gone through two major revolutions, uh, rewriting programs or the way we write programs. And, and uh, the first one was back in the 80s when we uh, moved to graphical user interfaces. The, the way of programming completely changed. Instead of doing an input and function and then putting an output, we put these graphical objects that uh, on the screen and programmed their behaviors, which were referred to as events. And we moved from that model of programming to event-driven programming. And a lot of new companies came into being, and the ones who refused to adopt these models, they died. We went through that revolution again, another revolution back in the uh, dot-com days where we moved from local area network model of computing to what's called the cloud today, which is basically a distributive model of computing. And that really was a major revolution in terms of organizing resources. In the past, you and I could sit in a room and write a program together and distribute it on disks, floppy disks or CDs, if some of your audiences remember CDs. But today you can't do that. Today you need uh, armies of uh, back-end people and front-end people and DevOps people and, and the, the whole complexity of delivering uh, cloud-based uh, computing. It's changed that world and it's a, it's a different way of manufacturing software with microservices and a variety of different tools uh, from for building front-ends and back-ends. And that model of computing didn't exist uh, in the uh, 90s. Uh, at least it wasn't prevalent. Now, that's all we do. And a lot of new companies came into being. A lot of uh, old companies that refused to adopt these models died. In fact, most companies that you recognize today were born through the, that period. Uh, the ones who embraced these models and the form of programming changed. And that's because GUI was not a tool. It was a platform. And the internet is not was not a tool. It was viewed as a platform. And we have a similar view about AI. And this is really the, the heart of our invention. AI is being used as a tool today. You know, you, you load up a file in it and, and summarizes it, or you can ask it questions, or you fake somebody's voice. And these are all great uh, productivity tools. There's a lot of, there are a lot of stories about how AI being applied to different functions have improved productivity and in some cases eliminated jobs. Uh, but uh, these are the kind of mundane jobs where they can uh, really, uh, these tools can, AI tools can perform them in a much more effective manner. But uh, we claim that those are all low hanging fruits. The real revolution of AI has not even started. And that's when we start looking at uh, artificial intelligence and specifically these large language models as a platform. And as a platform, you need a completely new approach in writing programs such that you can integrate these tools in a profound, deep way in every aspect of your traditional programming. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. 
And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble? Super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash codestory. This episode is encrypted by Cypherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption in use with Cypherstash. Cypherstash uses searchable encryption in use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With Cypherstash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero-trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, Cypherstash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstash.com slash codestory and get started protecting your data. I think my next question is going to bring forward a little bit more of that. So you've got this version of Omadeus and you're integrating in AI. You have to have a roadmap of, of how you're going to build this moving forward, right? And I think it touches on what you're talking about there. So tell me about how you built that and, and how you go about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with Omadeus. You know, back in the 2016 when OpenAI, for example, started, you know, and, and we couldn't effectively get anything useful out of AI in a, in a reliable way. You know, to, to build engineering systems, you need reliable systems. The, what I was waiting for was a reliable way to process natural language. One thing ChatGPT demonstrated is that it may not be reliable 100% in generating output, which what they refer to as hallucination, but it is quite reliable in understanding natural language. Even when it produces the, the fake results, it understood the speaker. We actually started uh, coming with this model by analyzing uh, the, this whole communication problem and realizing that the traditional model of, of approach in software design where we would walk into a, uh, a corporate setting or a company and we'd ask them, okay, well, we're here to automate your process. And the software designer would basically document that workflow process and we would uh, create a control flow diagram and 
data flow diagram, and then we would take those physical forms and stick them on the screens. It didn't change the, during the GUI days. It stayed the same. In fact, it reinforced the graphical user interfaces, reinforced that model because they created a higher fidelity between the uh, objects uh, in the real world and the objects on the screen. They resembled more of those objects, so they reinforced that. That model of software design is still the, still is the same to this day, even after the moving from the local layer network revolution to the internet, we still do form automation. Our discovery was that you cannot use that model to properly integrate AI. I mean, just think about it. How would you integrate ChatGPT with uh, QuickBooks? How would you create a, a QuickBooks or an electronic medical record that uh, from the moment you log in, the AI is there, it knows who you are, it knows what you're doing, it knows how to help you in every step of the way. The new model of computation, which we call object messaging and intelligent objects. Once you do the workflow analysis, what you need to do is, uh, as a designer, you need to go further. You need to do semantic analysis and identify all the real or virtual objects in that system and determine the uh, relationships between these objects and the relationships between these objects and the stakeholders. And you take these objects and you make them responsible, you make them intelligent. For example, an x-ray. An x-ray has structured data. Um, what type of x-ray you are? What time were you taken? Who took you as an x-ray? What was the name of the technician? And there are links about that x-ray. Who are you connected to as a patient? So that becomes a structured data that becomes a constraint. And then you make that object responsible for navigating the workflow. And by, by giving it an LLM, you also enable that object to be able to interact with humans using natural language. And then you make that object responsible for keeping track of all the communication and information exchange bef between different classes of stakeholders. And this object uh, understands how to navigate the workflow. It understands events as events occur to that object as it moves around through the workflow or interacts with other objects or interacts with other stakeholders. It translates those events into natural language and it places it into the appropriate channel for that class of information with natural language. As it, as it translates it into natural language, it also processes it and understands it. And it has memory. It knows what happens to it, just like a, a real person. This system, this new architecture, allows for all these intelligent objects to float around the workflow and they can come together and these objects can create super objects. In a way, this is inspired by biology. If you imagine the, we don't have a little file folder in the back of our brain keeping track of our liver cells information. All the information about the liver cells are contained within the liver cells themselves. These cells are intelligent. They're self-contained. They know how to communicate with their neighbors. They know their functions. They're self-aware in terms of knowing their functions. And the collection of these liver cells create the liver itself. And the liver is a super component that is connected to the rest of the system with veins, arteries, nervous systems. And then there's another uh, super component that's your brain's a collection of all these neurons that uh, manages and conducts the traffic throughout the system. So if you imagine that model of computing that takes the form automation to the next level, so we see this as the future of uh, intelligent computing 
and we see this as a merger of natural language and structured language and deeply embedding AI into traditional software. And that's the future of uh, software architecture. I'm curious about the people that you are surrounding yourself with to make this happen, right? So how did you build your team? What did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? Well, okay, so we, we were lucky because we uh, had a group of people that we'd been working together in my previous company for a good number of years. So I basically picked the top people who understood this model, who had been collaborating with me. Our CTO, for example, was the uh, senior designer from my previous company, and actually he finished his master's degree in, in uh, machine learning. Our senior designer for product design was working on this as a prototype. We were experimenting together and was involved in cobbling up Jira. So the core team had struggled with the original problem and kind of lived through that problem with me. And they were the top people from my previous company and they were really emotionally tied to this problem. That just made it so easy and logical for us to uh, start the core team. But we made some major mistakes, just like any other startup. Initially, we underestimated the enormity of this problem, and we thought we could build a platform such that people could easily or facilitate the process of transitioning the traditional programs onto this platform. We spent about almost a year and a half trying to do something like that. And I realized, okay, this is a dead end. We are too small. There are a lot of engineering problems to solve. The descriptions that I gave about this problem, they weren't so clear five years ago, the way I laid them out. And, and we discovered all these as we tried to solve the engineering problems. The whole idea of, of object messaging and intelligent objects, this kind of emerged. We realized actually uh, everything should be a message in new systems, but me not messages in terms of text, the objects themselves as a self-contained, holistic fool with all the information need to move around, not only through the workflow, but as part of the workflow, they need to show up in people's inboxes. And you will have, end up with lots of different inboxes with different names, depending on the application. And these things emerged. So we had to pivot. We had to pivot and said, okay, look, we cannot really, we're not enough. We're a small team and we funded it ourselves. We, we raised a little bit of money uh, from our existing investors, but we mostly funded it ourselves. We realized, okay, we can't, this is too big. We're going to have to pivot and we're going to have to build an application. And since we were uh, prevented from competitively building another electronic medical record because of my previous company was focused on that and we had a uh, non-compete. So we decided to build the other product that we were intimately familiar with. And that was a uh, project management tool that is really fit for a technology company, any technology company. This episode was automatically optimized by Cast. If you run cloud-native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud cost, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, Cast AI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. 
Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vercel edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Terso makes it easy. With a developer experience of SQLite and a distributed database, you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. Terso's lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for CodeStory listeners. Head over to terso.tech slash CodeStory and get started today. That's T-U-R-S-O dot tech slash CodeStory. Terso. Welcome to the Data Edge. As you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built thus far, what are you most proud of? And this is with Omadeus. I know deep in my heart uh, that uh, you can come up with ChatGPT 4.0, 5.0, 6.0, 7.0, 9.0, whatever. You're not going to be able to solve this problem. <laughs> we need a merger of traditional model of programming and using the structured data in a, an organic way of binding it with artificial intelligence in the way that we're presenting it. And I'm not saying that's the only way, but uh, so far we think that's an optimal way. But you're not going to be able to fulfill the promises of uh, these pie-in-the-sky promises that, you know, the ChatGPT is going to be able to do everybody's jobs. But you can't ignore workflow. And workflow is the heartbeat of these organizations. And we've never really built a system of communication because it's all about communication. And we think it's about object communication. I can't see any LLMs automatically coming up with these tools, right? So that's what I'm proud of. When I'm standing there, I'm always smiling when I hear these interviews. And I think, you know, we've discovered the roadmap to not eliminate jobs because what we need to do, and I can see clearly, we're removing humans from the arduous job of processing information and routing it. Yeah, humans don't need to be involved in that. We're not good at that. We'll let the machines do it. I mean, you know, I tell uh, people try to explain the system to the layman. I said, when you, when, you, when you pick up your cell phone, the first thing you do after you log in, you have to decide out of the hundreds of apps which one to click on? Why? Why do you have to do this? I mean, do you remember the movie Her? I recommend it to every one of your audiences because those systems are possible today using object messaging and intelligent objects. That's how these machines need to work. And I'm here to tell you that LLMs are not going to give you that. Okay? They're not going to give you that. Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. Well, the biggest mistake was that we we underestimated this job and we started building platforms, typical of engineers. You know, you, you probably know, like, uh, as an experienced senior engineer, you always know that uh, when engineers give you an estimate, you just double it automatically. One of the things we should have done, and I knew better, I should have hired an expert in marketing day one and, and, and sales. You know, the job of marketing and sales starts day one. You know, I, I must say we're paying the price for it. You know, we've, we've got a marketing group now and, and a sales group, but uh, I think we, we added them too late. They bring a sense of reality to you because, you know, the engineers have this uh, tendency to create a vacuum for themselves. And, and I, this is my third technology startup. And my, like I said, my last company, and I, I built it from my bedroom and I ended up with 200 plus people and all kinds of departments. So I knew better. 
when you bring in people with the marketing or sales view, they actually they bring a sense of reality uh, and a reality check uh, constantly because engineers have this tendency to create this uh, vacuum and live in it. You know, we we as long as we're solving the engineering problems, we're happy. You know, and and we don't know if if this is of good use or not. You know, it's like. It continuously adding features. It's like uh, so. It's a typical engineering behavior, which has its benefits if you're doing R and D, you know. But if you're trying to build a product and you're on limited budget and time, and you're trying to build a company, it's the wrong thing to do. What does the future look like for Omadeus, the product, for your team, and for our industry? We are now focused on building integration with Slack and Jira because, in fact, our Omadeus contains a, a channel communication as well, but it's an intelligent channel communication. We realize that to get utilization of our product, and people have existing tools. Uh, most development outfits have uh, Jira implemented or some version of uh, social networking similar to Slack. So we're focused on uh, creating integration tools, which we've already done, so we could live compatible with those. But we're also holding seminars or, or webinars online to try to promote this uh, object messaging and intelligent objects mode of programming. If you're planning to build a, a, a uh, an application for any business, you need to contact us. Get on our website, so sign up for a webinar. We are offering free education of this and also a free license to qualified companies of of our technology because we filed a bunch of patents on on this technology. But we are offering free license. We want people to use this model. We want them to uh, create these applications that are intelligent. We see the future of all systems using some form of object messaging and intelligent object. If you're going to be deeply integrated with uh, AI and if you're going to create these systems that are really intelligent and remove uh, the burden of uh, information management and distribution and, and routing from humans and make systems truly, truly user-friendly, where I can pick up a system uh, as, a, as a doctor, just that I don't have to worry about things, that the system is aware of everything and it pops in front of me and, and it tells me all the important things. And I'm just being a doctor. I just interact with that uh, object, whether that's an x-ray or a blood test or the next appointment that I have about a patient, that the object wants to tell me something specific about that patient. And it can ha- hold that conversation in, in natural language and that object remembers the conversation or can remind me of things that I've done in the past or can uh, guide me of the latest regulations. It just uh, was published yesterday and the object read about it and is telling me, advising me that uh, Masood, you can't say this or be careful not to do that or we can't allow the disclosure of this information. If they want to create those kinds of super intelligent systems, they're not that difficult. You just need a new model. And this model is what we've created and we can demonstrate to you how to build these applications. Let's switch to you, Masood. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. Okay, the, the person that comes to my mind immediately is uh, Dan Myers. Dan Myers was one of my first mentors. He really helped me understand the discipline of engineering. And he was my boss, actually. He was one of my first real software companies that I worked at. I, we were building uh, financial systems. He used to walk around and just say, I don't write any bugs. <laughs> and, and, I, and I knew what he meant by that. It's, uh, and he would always challenge uh, other people, other uh, developers to find bugs in the system. And that really resonated with me. And I mean, that was just, that's just, just an example. I mean, his personality, the way he showed love and affection by just being a professional, just a 
consummate professional and how he cared about people around him. And he's still around. He's a, I, I still talk to him. He's a great friend. And I constantly tell him that he's been one of my greatest mentors. Okay, Masood, last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world and can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? Examine your idea with people who are going to disagree with you. And once you are convinced of your idea, stick with it and don't give up. Solid advice. Well, Masood, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Omadeus. Thank you very much for having me, and it was a pleasure. And this concludes another chapter of Coat Story. Coat Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.